like family. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hi, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 106.3 FM coming up uh, this hour, our final hour of our program here today. David Eicholt momentarily, 24-7 sports, covers the Hawkeyes. And then Max Olson on the Big 12. Uh, you can read Max at The Athletic. Well, let's get uh, David Eicholt in here. Trent, you came up with this idea yesterday. We've never spoken to this uh, gentleman mm-hmm. in the past. I see his work all the time. I said to you at uh, one point, this kid hustles. Yes, he, he does. He writes a lot. Uh, trying to get that site going and uh, build it back up, uh, and he's doing a nice job. Uh, David, uh, first of all, welcome to KXNO, to our program. It's good to speak with you. My partner's Trent Condon. My name is Ken Miller. How are you, David Eicholt? Doing good, guys. Really appreciate you uh, having me on for the first time. No, listen. Uh, look forward to to speaking with you. I've been uh, uh, been a fan of your work. You do you uh, you do a lot out there uh, f- as you chronicle both basketball and football, and trying to make your niche and uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. So let's start with basketball. As the uh, Hawks will take the floor here tonight, Big Ten Network for TV. Of course, the game airs down the hall here on WHO, uh, getting underway. I believe at five o'clock here tonight. But uh, look, what what have you seen out of this Hawkeye team? The uh, limited amount of games, what two and zero? I think we've seen them twice. Yep. So far, next week, obviously, the schedule ratchets up in a big, big way. But what's McCaffrey been pleased with, Coach McCaffrey, from what he's seen in uh, in those uh, first two games? You know, I think two of the biggest things I was looking for hanging in the season, no matter who it was competition-wise, was one, is Joe Wieskamp going to be consistent from three-point range? And is Luca Garza going to be able to hit above 65% from the free-throw line? And, you know, they're off to... Two pretty good starts. Luca Garza is already 14 of 16 from the free throw line. Joe Wieskamp went four of six in the second game against Southern. And Luca Garza seems to be getting his feet under him. And I think the offense right now is going to be just as good as advertised. I think if you have CJ Frederick and Jordan Bohannon going a combined two of nine from three point land against Southern, but the team still shoots 12 of 24 at 50%, that's going to be a pretty hard offense uh, to guard no matter who you're going against. So I think those are a couple positives. I think the biggest thing that I need to you know, continue to see is can Iowa break out of their press quicker? Because no matter against the competition, they were giving up too many open layups. They weren't closing out on corner three-pointers. The defensive rotation, which I think was the biggest question mark hanging into the season, they still have a lot of work to do in that area. And I think getting Jack Nungy back is going to be a big help in that just more length on the floor. Uh, they'll be able to rebound the ball better because they were out-rebounded 42-37 to against Southern. But I do think that there are some very positive signs with this team. I think the offense is going to go toe-to-toe with Gonzaga. I think they're without a doubt the two best offenses in the country from what I've seen so far in this early part of the season. But there are a lot of positives to build off of. And I think if Keegan Murray and Patrick McCaffrey can be two good guys to come off the bench and be versatile and give effort on defense, I think that's only going to help the ceiling of this basketball team. I want to go a little bit deeper with you with Patrick McCaffrey, David. And this young man, we saw a glimpse of him a year ago before he shut it down, but 
really lanky, mm-hmm. not sure how he was going to fit strength at the Division One level, the Big Ten level, if it was going to work. He's noticeably bigger, he's stronger, and he is just so much more, you can just tell, effective out there with that added strength that he has. What kind of role do you anticipate for him this season? Is this a guy that's more in that 10 to 12 minutes a game, or could he be pushing up towards 20 as the season progresses? You know, the 20-minute mark, I think, could be the max. I do think that uh, Fran McCaffrey is going to find a role for him because, as we've seen, I think he's incredibly effective in that full-court press, just the, all the length that he has, the size, the speed, and even the strength at this point. He's added 25 pounds since last season, as you mentioned, and he's just aggressive. He's a big-time competitor, and I think when you throw him out there along with Keegan Murray or Joe Wieskamp in that full-court press, I think that's when he's going to be most effective defensively. I think in a typical night, maybe we'll see 13 to 17 minutes because I do think that Jack Nungy needs to be that sixth man off the bench or even start some games, especially when you're going against teams like North Carolina, who they may not be able to shoot at a high clip right now, but they are aggressive on the boards. And again, I think that's where Iowa really is going to need Jack Nungy to shine defensively and on the glass and be that inside-outside guy. But you know, I don't think people really realize how good of a basketball player Patrick McCaffrey is. He's a top 100 prospect by 24-7 sports. Yeah, he was a little bit skinnier, but he's a very versatile player. I think you can play him anywhere from two to four. And if you want to go really, really small ball, maybe you throw him at the five against some undersized teams. But I think he's going to be a very big part of this team. I wouldn't go as far as to say an X factor, but I think he's going to be a big-time energizer guy off the bench who could make a difference in a Big Ten game going down the stretch. Yeah, he certainly got my attention, and maybe as much as anything, he's a McCaffrey. He's got a little attitude to him, mm-hmm. and I love that about him, as, as I do with Connor, and <laughs> clearly the old man had that one uh, back in his day as well. Uh, so just, just real quick on uh, basketball, conference-wise, what have you seen so far? Izzo's team, I mean, they usually peak in you know February and March. He's got his team off to a really good start so far. Um, what, what have you seen in the Big Ten so far that gets your attention? Yeah, I think, you know, people need to stop counting out Izzo. I know some people are putting him fourth or fifth. Michigan State hanging the season. They lost Xavier Tillman and, and Cassius Winston. But, you know, he knows how to coach, and they still have a really good squad this year. And I'll tell people this, look out for Rocket Watt. Yeah. I think he's a breakout star in the Big Ten. I think he can shoot. He can get to the basket. He's aggressive on defense. Might not be a true point guard, and I think that could hurt Michigan State going down the stretch. But he's a tremendous talent. Illinois, I think, is... Exactly what we expected. Io Dosumu is going to be a legitimate National Player of the Year candidate. Adam Miller is going to be a really, really good shooter, potential Big Ten Freshman of the Year. I still don't know about their ceiling. I'm not, you know, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not entirely sold on them. I don't think Kofi Coburn, you know, can really go against some of the elite bigs. And we kind of saw him shrink last night, especially Mm -hmm. with the defensive pressure and the lack of offensive game that he has. But that team definitely has my attention. Wisconsin is going to be a gritty uh, team to go against night in, night out. So I truly do think it is a four-team uh, toss-up about who's going to win the Big Ten. I picked Iowa preseason. I'm really interested to see how they match up against Gonzaga and North Carolina, especially when Big Ten play gets started, especially when they go against Purdue on, on December 22nd. We know what kind of struggles they've had against them in previous years and what type of revenge Iowa and Fran McCaffrey might want from that. But I think it's without a doubt the best league in the country, and I think 10, maybe even 11 teams get in the tournament. 
It's uh, trending that direction. Even teams like Penn State, Minnesota have looked pretty good yeah. here in the early portion. Nebraska Maryland, hasn't looked bad. They haven't looked bad either. Going to be a dogfight through those 14 teams. One more on basketball before we get into football. We're talking with David Eichold from 24-7 Sports Cyclone in uh, HawkeyeInsider.com. And uh, I want to jump with you, David, to attendance. We see Jack Trice mm-hmm. Stadium is going to allow 15,000 fans in. We see Hilton Coliseum is going to allow 1,300 fans in. What has been the conversation in Iowa City? Getting some people into Carver. Next week, Carolina comes to town. Iowa State's come to town. Any chance at all, either that quickly or at any part, that the Big Ten and University of Iowa is going to allow some number of fans inside the building? Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark right now. I think there's going to be more of a factor going, you know, with the conversations with the Big Ten about actually trying to get fans in. And I'm not entirely optimistic by the end of this year, the end of the calendar year, mm-hmm. not this basketball season, I would be very surprised to see fans before January, maybe middle January. You know, we'll see what happens with, with the vaccines and who gets those out and kind of what the numbers, the trends look like at that time. I do believe that we will have fans in Carver-Hawkeye Arena sometime this basketball season. How quickly? I'm not entirely sure. I would say at best, at best, and this is just a totally out there guess, probably the third week of January, maybe the last week of January. But as far as December goes and everything like that, I don't think the Big Ten's going to allow it because the Big Ten at this point, they still have that 21-day rule. And I don't think, especially with a team like Iowa ceiling, I don't think it would be wise for Iowa to really kind of mess with that just because who knows what the outbreaks and everything will look like at that point. And the last thing you want to do is knock out one of your superstars for three weeks, which is going to be a huge chunk of this season. I mean, you're talking about six, seven, maybe even eight games that you could be down a star player. So I think it's going to be a little ways yet before we actually get uh, fans in, in, in the arena. And I got to say, that that's the part I feel for Iowa fans the most about this entire situation. They've been waiting for a season like yeah. this for a couple decades, and they aren't able to enjoy it uh, in Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Yeah, so far, that's for sure. Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports, David Eicholt is our guest. David, uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Terry Roberts, who doesn't see the field a lot other than special teams. But boy, oh boy, there's seldom a week goes by where this guy's just making play after play. He's, you know, one of the first guys down the field. Uh, he's diving on loose balls. Uh, he's really making an impact while waiting his turn, uh, behind, uh, Moss and, you know, for, for significant playing time. He's certainly making an impact on special teams. He's been really noticeable. No, he has. And I think that that's an ultimate testament to what kind of teammate he is. And Kirk Ferentz said after the game, on Friday that he he definitely sees him as an every down player in his career and I think that Roberts has the right mindset you know he was kind of a, a two-way demon in, in in high school in Erie Pennsylvania you know Jovan Johnson former Iowa defensive back is from that area but he was a two-way standout defensive back and wide receiver played some special teams up there as well he just loves the game of football and I think he of anyone understands that he and he said post game just take advantage of all your opportunities whether it's on special teams give it a hundred percent because, you know, that one play might change the game. Well, there's been a couple of games where he's made that one play that has changed the game despite the limited opportunities. But it is interesting to me just how popular of a, uh, of a name he's kind of in the, within the Iowa circles at this point, even though he primarily is only playing special teams. And I think that's an ultimate testament to the type of teammate that he is. And as you mentioned, I do think that his plays have made maybe not, I want to say one Iowa, one or two games, but definitely put them back on the right track to win games that, you know, maybe they wouldn't have won in previous years without one or two of those plays. 
David, uh, we've seen a different Kirk Ferentz this year. Very salty <laughs> yep. uh, after the Nebraska game, after the Minnesota game. A little calling out of some people, having some things to say. Even on the press conference the other day, you know, he was asked about the possibility of the Big Ten championship and moving parts there. He said, not to sound smug, but I really don't care. They just worry about their next game. We're seeing more of that. Any speculation, the reason for it, is it something to do with this summer, where the program has been? Because it feels like we're seeing a different Kirk Ferentz this year. Yeah, you know, I've only been on this beat for three years. I followed Iowa most of my life, and I can't remember ever seeing, especially in such a short span, like you mentioned, it's, it's, uh, I think it's hashtag sassy Kirk or something <laughs> like that. But I mean, from leave the timeout, take the pig, awesome. uh, the, 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 the rant on the clapping from Scott Frost, and he's really, I don't want to say he's channeling Brian in terms of trying to, you know, amp up some of these rivalries, mm. but he certainly isn't shying away from some of it. You know, the speculation is interesting. I think that with the events in the summer, Kirk has always been to the media. I think a very, I don't want to say a PC guy, because, but, uh, you know, he, he very much stays in the middle on a lot of things. I think after the events of the summer and I think everything, I think he just likes to fire up the fan base. He likes to fire up his team. And uh, he's certainly not shying away from it. And I think he's been... Uh, you know, I don't want to say he's getting that get off my lawn type of a uh, syndrome, like an old, like an old guy yelling "get off my lawn." But it kind of is that you're almost seeing that the wheels turn and the gears click that uh, a switch has been hit, and he just says, "You know what? I'm going to say what I want to say at this point." And for, as a media guy, I am all for it. I love it. We've been getting the same answers for 20 years. It's such a great change of pace. Yeah, and it's been noticed nationally as well, not just the local beat uh, beat uh, reporters. Uh, it's been noticed nationally, and uh, they're they're making uh, their feel- feelings known. Uh, David Eichold from 24-7 Sports, Hawkeye Insider. As much as you cover recruiting, Trent brought this up the other day. I'm going to ask you, because I think there might be something to this. And, cause, and it's something I, as you well know, normally doesn't do, and that's to look, go out and look for a grad transfer. Not saying Mackenzie Milton, but Mackenzie Milton, you know, jogged a, a memory that, or put something in the back of my mind. He's a quarterback. Not saying him, but do you think there's a chance that they are in the market for a grad transfer quarterback? Something I would normally doesn't do, uh, as much as you guys cover recruiting any there, over there 24-7. Any whispers about that at all? You know, I haven't heard anything definitive. I mean, I know there's been rumors floating around about it, but I'll say this. I mean, just with the play of Spencer Petras this year, and I think with the youth of that room, I know people really want to see Deuce Hogan emerge as a starting quarterback next year. I think he'll have an opportunity if there's an open competition in spring and summer ball. But I think it would greatly do Iowa well if they did explore that market. I would say maybe a guy they look at is Quincy Patterson the second from Virginia Tech who's entering the who entered the transfer portal. Iowa really recruited him hard in that 2018 class. He's a former four star uh, by 24/7 Sports. Held offers from Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern, and a few others. Kind of more of a dual threat guy. You can escape the pocket, create some plays. You know, maybe Iowa dips their toes back in those waters to see if if there's anything there and. Again, with the, all the inexperience in that room and with the up-and-down play of Spencer Petras, I think that really would do Iowa justice, and it would not surprise me whatsoever if they were exploring that possibility. It'll be uh, a week away from Senior Day. Festivities going to be much different than in the past, certainly, with Wisconsin coming in for that final game of the regular season in Kinnick. But Makai Sargent, a guy going through his career, a lot of speculation. Maybe he'd be a guy that'd be looking to move after Tyler Goodson unseated him as a starter a year ago. Goodson's still the starter, but 
20 career touchdowns now. He's two touchdowns mm. away from being eighth on the all-time list at the University of Iowa after coming in from Iowa Western. A guy from Key West played in the cold weather here. Quite the story there, and another one of those feel-good Hawkeye stories we seemingly get every single year. No, I couldn't agree more, and I think the open-mindedness and the willingness to kind of be still be a good teammate and be a mentor to Tyler Goodson mm-hmm. after, like you mentioned, Tyler Goodson unseated him, I think that just is a testament to the character he has. And as you mentioned, 20 career touchdowns. He ranked second in the Big Ten this year at 6.2 yards per carry during the conference and touchdowns. You know, he only got five carries last week, and that was fresh off the, the week where he had 102 yards and two touchdowns uh, against, I believe it was, Penn State, but it is just another one of those good feel-good Hawkeye stories, and again, I think Tyler Goodson has raved about the leadership of Makai Sargent and all he's done for him, and I think he's a pretty good embodiment of what Iowa and Kirk Ferentz have tried to make their program about. He stepped in, he's doing what it takes to win, and again, I think the leadership of that room, especially with all the youth in that room, of Makai Sargent, I don't think it's gone unnoticed by Derek Foster, Kirk Ferentz, or the fan base. I think he's really Played in that role well this year when he had every reason just to opt out and really not want to pursue uh, what's best for the team. But he's done it and he's thrived at Stopping on a dime uh, for before his touchdown, yeah. before he scored, <laughs> jumped off the TV screen uh, last week against Nebraska. <laughs> Quincy Patterson, six foot four, 240 pounds. Yeah, it'll get your attention. Uh, David Eichholz, uh, you've got a lot of people's attention. Keep doing what you're doing at Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports. Look forward to speaking with you again. David, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yep, uh, nice job uh, over there, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Good get, Trent Condon. Glad uh, we put him in the rotation. It was you that brought it up. i got to give you credit. You thought maybe there'd be a grad transfer. I like David's point about there's a bunch of young guys in the room. Not that Patterson's, you know, uh, got a lot of experience. Right. Um, and they can move? It's 6'4", 240. Like that? Like that. It's not a dynamic we've seen. A t- we've seen guys that can move. Beathard could move. Yep. Stansy a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little wiggle to his game. Drew Tate, Brad Banks. Even Chandler could run it a little bit. Stanley, no. no, no, outside of quarterback sneaks, right. and he was really good at that. And Petrus is Petrus even slower than Stanley? I don't know. It seems that way, but there's times he gets out of the pocket and looks like he can scramble for six, seven, eight. He gets two. Just yeah. in today's college football, with the speed, we've seen Iowa evolve from a four-three look to the four-two-five with the cash position that they do. Everybody has speed out there, and to have a quarterback that statuesque. I don't know if it can work at the college level anymore. It's not to throw Petrus completely out. No, he's, he's only played six. Was it six games in his career? Yeah, and, and he's shown glimpse. Trent, he had a really good first fifteen minutes of the game, and then the start. And that's up happened was, a lot now. Yes, is it the scripted plays? He's fine, and, and I, then somebody pointed that out, and I think you're spot. They were spot. The on. Bullets start yep. flying, and yep. once you go. get through those fifteen players or whatever that number is. Uh, he's been a different quarterback. Well, he's got two left this year, three left this year for sure. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's COVID after all. <laughs> but true. Illinois, Wisconsin, and whoever, and then if there's a bowl game, and we don't know if that's going to be the case, certainly hope that it is, uh, he's got some more time to build on that resume. We are going to switch gears from the Big Ten uh, to the Big 12. Uh, we'll pick Max Olson, who covers the league for The Athletic. He'll join us next as we take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. 
We supply the sports. The beer is up to you. 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. This is KX. Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Vasectomies. Yes, we're talking vasectomies. It's Trent Condon from KXNO. If your family is complete, the time is now to get on the horn and make your appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa. The time for my vasectomy is coming up. I set up my appointment with a great group of doctors at the Urology Center of Iowa. It was easy to do, and you can do it as well. Now is the time to maximize your insurance benefits before the end of the year. Call 515 400 Again, 400-3550 to set up your appointment today or go online, iowauro.com. That's iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. No ice packs or bags of peas required. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO at 106.3 FM, just past 1130 here as we take you until noon. All right, there's been plenty of conversation. Let's get to the Big 12. We haven't done that as a league yet. John Walters joined us earlier. Max Olson joins us. Talk a little football in the Big 12. Biggest game in the history of Jack Trice Stadium will unfold 2.30 in the afternoon this coming Saturday as West Virginia pays a visit. I'm Max Trent Condon, Ken Miller, thanks for coming back on here with us on KXNO. We appreciate it. How are you, Max? Doing fine. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, this uh, this game on Saturday, it's the biggest in the history of the stadium. Uh, there's been some big moments there, but this one, just circumstances with a chance to you know win a conference regular season title. Uh, uncharted waters for Iowa State. And the opponent, West Virginia, is not just going to roll over. This is a team that uh, I've watched, I think, get better as the year has gone on. This is a tough spot on Saturday. It is, and I don't think anybody um, over in the football building and names is uh, you know patting each other on the back and saying we did it. I think they, I think they are well aware that uh, you know West Virginia is a, a really challenging opponent. Um, they're playing, uh, in my opinion, they're playing you know top fifteen, top twenty defense this year, um, and you know in a lot of ways kind of similar in their model to what Matt Campbell's done of, of running the ball and playing great defense, and so. They match up well with Iowa State, and you know their last two losses in Big 12 play have been by seven points and four points. So uh, I, I, I could see this game being pretty similar. I can see this being a one-score kind of game that we've seen so many times in the Big 12 this season, where it comes down to the you know the last few minutes, like we saw with Iowa State last week in Austin, and you know who's the tougher team. And I think Iowa State will win, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. This is going to be uh, you know a legitimate challenge here to wrap up uh, conference play. What have you seen this year from Jarrett Deggie, a guy that's been around the block in college football for a long time now? Just his development this season, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions. What you've seen from him at the quarterback spot? Yeah, he's, he's, he was an interesting addition for West Virginia, a guy that uh, transferred from uh, Bowling Green uh, and, and had kind of some deep ties with, with Neil Brown because Neil you know, coached his brother at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy that transferred and was supposed to, to sit out the 2019 season as a transfer, but they lucked out and getting them a waiver, and they still wanted to kind of save them and, and give them a redshirt year there. So they really saved Jarrett Diggy for the last four games of the 2019 season. And when he took over for them last November, um, he was really good and, and led him to a few upset wins and, and, and really showed some real promise. And 
and then beat out Austin Kendall this year for the job. So um, I think he's a guy that he hasn't been the most consistent over the course of the season, but he can really make some nice throws and, and really get this offense going. And then when, when they get uh, Luddy Brown going in the run game, I think that really opens up what they want to do in play action. They've got some solid receivers and, you know, Neil Brown's their play caller and does a great job. So um, he can, you know, he can get hot and, uh, and be a problem. Uh, Iowa State, I mean, Hutchinson has had a really good year. Looks like Sean Shaw is starting to take that, you know, that second receiver, the guy that Purdy and the, on the wide receivers looks to. Tariq Milton coming back last week. It was good to get him back into the lineup. But does this look like a game to you, Max, that, you know, Charlie Kohler had such a huge impact against Texas, uh, last week. And those three six sixes and a couple of six sevens, uh, in the tight end group with Saner and Allen and, of course, Kohler. Does this look like maybe the game plan going to be once again is to you know to get the ball to those tall tight ends who make such a meaningful impact seemingly game in and game out yeah i, I think that's spot on you know last week uh kohler and Sainer combined for 11 catches and 200 yards so they were absolutely the difference against texas uh texas you know linebacker is not really a strength of texas and so um you know iowa state was really uh, able to exploit that. You know, this week, West Virginia does have some talent in the middle of their defense. Uh, Tony Fields, Arizona transfer, has been really, really good for them, a real difference maker for them, uh, guys they added late this season. And so I think the matchups there is, is going to be pretty interesting. I think they, they probably should have a little bit more success going after, uh, you know, West Virginia's corners than they, they did against Texas. But, uh, yeah, when, when, when those tight ends are moving like that, it really balances out the whole offense. Uh, and, and really create, you know, that, that was a tough running game for Brees Hall against Texas. But uh, when it's working, when it's clicking, it, it, things really start to open up and um, it, it makes this offense really dangerous. Max, I think most everybody's anticipating we're going to get Iowa State-Oklahoma playing for that Big 12 championship. From when Cyclone fans last saw Oklahoma to where that team is today and where they'll be on December 19th, the improvements you've seen, not just at the quarterback spot as a whole, your thoughts on the Sooners? Yeah, huge difference. Uh, huge difference. Ever since Oklahoma survived the four overtime game in Dallas in October uh, against Texas, um, you know what we've seen from them, and that was a game where they they made a lot of mistakes and they benched Spencer Rattler at one point, and a lot of chances where they could have lost that game. Uh, but I, I think that ever since that game, you've seen Oklahoma kind of kind of flip the switch now, and and now they're um, now they're beating everybody pretty good. They're They've really kind of figured it out. I think you expected that a little bit with, you know, Spencer Rattler's continued growth as a retro freshman. The fact that they got Ronnie Perkins, uh, the defensive end, and then Ramondre Stevenson at running back, you know, back on the field after their suspension, those guys have been two of the very best players on the field. Yep. They've made a huge difference for Oklahoma. So, you know, Iowa State really caught them at the right time. When they were down, they'd lost to K-State. They were still working through some things, and Rattler was still making freshman mistakes. But, uh, you know, ever since then, uh, it, it's been a real butt kicking week to week from from Oklahoma, and you know they've they've been slowed down a little now by some of the COVID issues they've had. But uh, I think this team and the fact that they just go to championships every year, I, I, I think. Oklahoma's kind of right back where they want to be. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on Stevenson. I mean, Pledger's a nice player. McGowan had his moments, but Stevenson back in there. This is a whole new, dy- another dynamic. When they can run the football and gives Rattler um, a running game, they're a different offense. Lincoln, it opens up so much more Lincoln Riley's playbook when they can effectively run the ball, and Stevenson is doing that. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I think people when they watch Oklahoma, you, you know, you, you take for granted that oh, they've got they've had great quarterbacks and they've had great receivers. But you know, Lincoln Riley's been, um, you know, since he's taken over that offense, you know, they're they're leading the Big Twelve in rushing nearly every year. I mean, they they they've had great backs. Um, you know, when when Kennedy Brooks opted out this year, that put them in a tough spot. And Stevenson being suspended um, for for a drug test for for as many games as he was, you know, forced them to play some younger backs. And I think you saw it against Iowa State that they just weren't weren't as effective. They just weren't. Those guys will get better, but you know, Pledger is more of a complimentary back than a lead guy. And McGowan was was still a really young dude, so yeah, I think still freshman. And so um, Stevenson is is a real load uh, to take down. He's a big 230, 240 back pound back, and and he is. Um, really made that offense a, a lot more different, and, and and you know Rattler is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country now. So he's really figured it out, and uh, you know Oklahoma's gone back to being that team that nobody wants to play. Texas, they lose the game to Iowa State. The speculation continues. Tom Herman, what's the latest that you're hearing on that front? And in, in a pandemic, firing a coach over twenty twenty five million dollars, we're going to have to pay him and that staff mm-hmm. to go away. The likelihood that it happens, and of course, the question that goes hand in hand: Would Urban Meyer make his way to Austin? Yeah, I think it, it's all up to Urban Meyer right now. Uh, I, I think it's, and that that continues to be a mystery of, of how interested is he in coming back to college football and leaving, uh, you know, pretty cushy life that he's yep. got right now, and in, in doing the Fox Sports, um, you know, Saturday show and and kind of ha- taking it easy during the week. I, I think. It's really up to Urban Meyer and, and how interested he is in chasing championships again. You know, is his health in a good place where he, he and his wife feel like he can go do that again? Um, you know, it, the, the decision I think is going to be made in a lot of ways by Urban Meyer because it's, it's clear, uh, in terms of Texas, you know, boosters and donors and decision makers and all that, that look, if, if they're going to make this kind of a move, which as you said, it comes with a price tag of nearly $25 million. <laughs> You're going to do it, and you're going to take a shot here, and you're going to move on from this guy. You got to find someone who's, uh, you know, not just so much better than Tom Herman, but can clearly put you in, in playoff contention. And so, uh, I, I'm sure that because Urban Meyer is not at his school right now, I, I'm sure the pursuit of Meyer has kind of already begun behind the scenes and back channeling and all that. And if Urban Meyer doesn't want to come back to college football, then <laughs> I honestly don't know who the next head coach of Texas would be. I think it puts Texas in a really weird spot. And, um, you know, you, it's an interesting conversation of kind of who fits Texas. But as we've seen it clearly uh, with Tom Herman, it, it goes well beyond the record there. I've enjoyed watching DiNardo and Urban Meyer on Big Ten Network and the four or five-minute pieces mm-hmm. that they do. I think that's yeah. appointment television. So Bobby Stoops, back to Oklahoma for a second. Uh, Bobby Stoops has shown up. He's <laughs> uh, he's helping uh, coach the team, kind of a guest coach type of thing. Maybe he's going to be on the sidelines for the G- Baylor game. What do we make of this, if anything, Max? Just helping out you know, a team he's, he's still obviously very familiar with and, and a guy who uh, in Lincoln Riley who's got a great relationship relationship with is there anything more to this <laughs> I, there, there's not some sort of coup coming here where bob Seuss is going to be the head coach of oklahoma again or anything but i mean i think it's it's awesome to see it's really cool to see that um you know oklahoma is dealing with a bunch of cases right now that includes their coaching staff and so um you know it creative move on lincoln riley's part to say well wait, wait a minute what's bob doing can he come out to practice here and grab a whistle and help us out and you know since the xfl shut down i think it's it's yeah, you know, I've certainly been curious of what's the next move for Bob Stoops. Yeah. Does he 
have that itch again now to, to go back into college or, or, you know, what, what would it take to kind of convince him that, um, you know, he's ready to, to do that again. Certainly don't think Bob Stoops wants to be the next head coach at Texas, but no. you do wonder what jobs are out there that would appeal to him. And so, you know, maybe, maybe helping out this week in practice and, and, and helping Oklahoma get through this tough time, maybe that kind of gets that, that fire going again for Bob Stoops. And, and if it does, I think that'd be pretty awesome to see. You know, a couple of years ago, Max, we had a big overturn. Four new coaches came into the league. We talked about West Virginia and what Neil Brown has done. Climbing looks like at least if he can get players, guys healthy and ready to go, K-State's going to be a factor in future years. Texas Tech, Kansas at different levels. But Gary Patterson, the longest tenured Big 12 coach, been very inconsistent. Now four of the last five years have not gone very well for TCU. What do you see there, the future of that program? Yes, great question, uh, and, it, and it's, I'm surprised myself that, um, you know, I, I kind of thought TC was the wild card of this Big 12 season. I didn't know, you know, what we were going to see from them from week to week, and uh, honestly, I'm surprised that, you know, for a third straight year here that this is, you know, the answer has been kind of mediocre football from TCU. I think the expectations should be a lot higher there, um, that, you know, they have a chance because of their location to, to be one of the top three or four teams in the Big 12 in terms of recruiting, and um, you know, I think when they had the immediate success they did in the Big 12, that that gave them an opportunity to, um, you know, really kind of raise their profile and recruit better players and, and be, uh, you know, a very consistent contender. And, and that hasn't been the case here for the last few years. And I, I don't know. I, it, 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 it's, a, it's a weird thing for them because obviously they, you know, Gary Patterson is, is a legend there and they're so deeply indebted to, to him and what he's done for that program. But uh, I think it's clear they, they need to make some changes, and I don't know if that's, uh, you know, shaking up the coaching staff or what. But, um, yeah, the last few years, you, you could say, hey, it's been a young quarterback, and that's, that's part of it, and I think Doug has gotten better. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just the inconsistency is, is uh, and, and, and the struggles you see on defense from time to time with them, it's, it's hard to believe, and um, I, I think they've got to really take a hard look at, at what do they have to do to fix it there. Yeah, you're not alone. I thought I, I know that uh, both Trent and I thought that to watch this TCU team, they might be that team that you know who's other than Oklahoma. We were trying to fill in before the season starts. Who's going to be a challenger? TCU was on a lot of people's list. Max Olson yeah. from the Athletic. Max, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, if Iowa State does get, does get to Dallas, we believe that they will. We will uh, hopefully be able to impose on you on Championship Week. Thank you, Max. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. And, and I got a I got a big story coming tomorrow on Brees Hall on the Athletic. So I hope you'll oh good. Well, Trent and I are both subscribers and big fans uh, of the publication or of the website. Good stuff. Thank you, Max. Hey, thank you. Good to talk to you, Max Olson. There you go, Cyclone fans, if you're looking for a reason. Well, you missed the dollar a month (laughs) that ended on Monday. It's still not expensive. No, it's not. It's really not. It's it's four bucks. What is what do you pay? Three ninety nine? Three ninety nine, yeah. I think pay the yearly subscription. Yeah. It's like thirty five bucks. I'm four ninety nine. But it's so I get my money's worth. Yes. It's more than college football. It's every sport. It is. I was and every ready, team. I was ready reading light last night. Eddie Rosario, outrighted yeah. by the Twins. Aaron Gleeman wrote that one. A lot of twin stuff. I read some Bears stuff that I seem to always enjoy. My guy's Marat Atez. Marat Atez. On the Winnipeg Jets. Is he French? I don't know. I've never heard of the dude. Yeah. All of a sudden, he started showing up and writing. He's good. Yeah. Uh, they're all good over there. It's the future, I think, of uh, of sports journalism. The Athletic.
Uh, big feature coming out tomorrow on Brees Hall for those Cyclone fans that already subscribe, but for those Cyclone fans who are looking for that, maybe that last little nudge, maybe that'll do it. We'll come back, finish up our last segment of the program. Hawks play tonight. We'll get Trent's opinion on that when we come back. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now 106.3 FM. Hey, it's Heather. Join the morning rush every day at 6, right here on 1460 KXNO. And tomorrow. segment here on a Thursday. Oklahoma, after Iowa State picked them off, they've not been beaten since the Texas four overtime game. Uh, TCU is a middle-of-the-pack team. Texas Tech is toward the bottom. Kansas is the bottom. Bedlam was eye-opening. Bedlam was eye-opening. Now, Oklahoma State, I think, and I think you would probably agree, their end, of, their arrow is pointing down since early in the season. Even though the Tulsa game was close, I thought mm-hmm. Oklahoma State was playing better early in the season. Hubbard hasn't had a good year. No, he should have left after last year. I think he checked out. Um, I'm anxious to find. And you've reached out to your buddy Chris Andrews at the South Point, yeah, for a potential opening line for Oklahoma and Iowa State should they get to Dallas on the 19th. I want to see Oklahoma-West Virginia because West Virginia's got a hell of a defense. You, uh, I threw out my prediction, Oklahoma six and a half. And you looked at me. You didn't say anything. No, I looked at you because I was thinking seven. Okay, so we were in the... I thought you looked at me like, you're crazy. No, 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 no. I was thinking seven. We were both pretty close. So public perception is a part of this. Uh Uh-huh. Beating a team twice in a year yep. has to be a part of it, too. How much better is Oklahoma compared to where they were then? I think it's fair to say this is a better football team than the one that Iowa State beat yes. two months ago. Yes. They are. Uh-huh. And I don't. I think so many people just jump to Spencer Rattler, how much better he is. And he is better mm-hmm. and more consistent. But it's the defense. That defense yep. was brutal. Nope. You're right. And the running game, too. Pledger, as yeah. Max Olson called him, he's a secondary back. Now, he was good, mm-hmm. but Stevenson's better. He's big. Yes. This can be a – if we get it, if we get it. We're and going I believe to get we're it. going to get it. I, yes, I agree. But the week before, Oklahoma and West Virginia are slated to play on the 12th. So next week, they'll have mm-hmm. to play that game, which will be fun because they've got to go to West Virginia. If you're Oklahoma and you have – Clinched a spot in the no, game. No, don't be going Kirk Herbstreit I'm here. <laughs> Iowa State gets a week off. That's an advantage. Uh-huh. A week to prepare. I don't think the Big Twelve is going to call it the, off because the they've done a good job. getting involved. Is that yeah. What you're I don't know. I, I'm I'm going to put away the tinfoil hat for. <laughs> I've done that enough today. Had some speculation and some different ideas. Some that made sense with Ohio State and the Big Ten. This mm-hmm. one, maybe I'm going a little bit too far here. That game will be played. No, but you're not going to be the only one that's going to think that like that, right, Trent? Right. It's going to be the case. Uh, they play Baylor this week. Mm-hmm. The Oklahoma, the Beth, Bedlam was Iowa. I get it. It's a rivalry, and they're, they're always going to, you know, you would think, even if it's, and there hasn't been too many years lately that Oklahoma's been a bad football team, but they're going to play well. What do you expect from the Hawks tonight as they take the floor? What's the number in this game? 36 Jesus. is what it opened at. I got it at 35 and a half, and I grabbed the Leathernecks. Did you? This is a completely new team. Nobody back from last year, but they did something interesting. Rob Jeter, who mm-hmm. some people we know thought was going to get the yeah, Iowa, Iowa State, State job, yeah. was at 
15 years ago? I, but he was clearly, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people thought that he was at the top of the list. He never got that big break, but he's now trying to resurrect things at Western Illinois. An incredibly difficult job. He hires an assistant, though, Nick Irvin. I'm sure even you have heard of Mac Irvin Fire, the AAU basketball program out of Chicago. It is huge. And it's also part of the public league. Has a lot of connections there. Hands out. Ah. They hired Nick Irvin. Rob Jeter did to be one of his assistants. Uh-huh. I get the connection and the reason why you would do that. They already have a freshman on their team that was committed to Wake Forest. Oh, boy. And is now in Macomb, Illinois, playing for the Leather. Oh, that makes sense, Trent. Don't be thinking, uh, don't be going conspiracy theorist on me. <laughs> I thought you were taking that uh, tinfoil hat off. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't do that in no, college. No, no, Come no, no. on. What are you trying to say here, Trent? College basketball. They're really young. Yeah. They're probably going to be really bad. 35 and a half. That's a huge, huge number. I can't wait for next week. You know, to the meat of the schedule. So the ratchets Carolina, Cyhawk uh-huh. next week. Uh-huh. Gonzaga shortly thereafter. Uh, well, enjoy the game. Uh, you, you, you're going to... Leathernecks. All right. Leathernecks in 35 and a half to begin the game. Uh, Murph and Andy at 2. The Fanatics at 4. Then Cyclone Fanatic Radio at 6. Hawkeye Nation Radio at 7. Morning Rush tomorrow. Thanks for being here. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.